0: Welcome to a new episode of Rouge. I'm your host, Guillaume Cauchois, and the shout-out of the day goes to Johnny from Malaga, Spain, who was the first one to find out our guest today, Alexei Goloborodko. I also have to say that a lot of people called out Luca Boutin for being the most flexible man in the world, and you guys killed me. <laughs> so an extra shout-out to Luca and his infamous flexibility. Now back to our guest. Seeing Alexey perform his act never let anyone indifferent. And if you've seen him, you know what I'm talking about. He is truly a unique contortionist, and it was a privilege for me to sit down and chat with him about his upbringing, career, and method of contortion. So here he is, the one of a kind, Alexey Goloborodko. <laughs> Alexei, welcome to
1: Rouge. Thank you. Hi. Hey, I'm super happy to have you here. I'm super happy to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. I've been following your account and I really enjoy what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Alexei, I have to tell you, you are by far the most flexible artist I've ever seen in my life. You are like one
1: of a kind artist. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I'm known as the most flexible male in the world and uh, it's it's like a responsibility for me because I cannot disappoint my fans and I'm trying to do all my best for that.
0: (laughs) Yes, for sure. So you are now performing on Lucia and I would like you to take us from the very beginning how did you get involved into contortion like your whole
1: story Uh, well i started when i was four years old when i was a kid i was walking out with my parents and i saw a commercial of of a circus it was traditional circus in my hometown and i asked my mom and where do you come from originally uh, from tula it's a small city not far from moscow like 200 250 kilometers from there. Uh, And I asked my mom to take me to that show to watch it for fun. And I was impressed so much that I asked her to take me somewhere where I could train, where I could practice and to become one of those guys who performed on stage that night. And the next week, my parents took me to a circus studio where my future coach tested me. He showed me different movements from different, different disciplines I was doing some traps. I was doing some acrobatics on the floor. I did some juggling. And then we tried doing some contortion. And comparing to other kids, to other boys and girls, I was more flexible. And then he said, okay, let's try doing that and we'll see how it goes. And well, this is how it started. And two years later, when I became six, my mom asked my coach to train me personally one on one. He agreed, and since then, Vladislav has been training me. And even now, 20 years later, he still helps me. We go on Skype almost every day, and he gives me suggestions, advices on how to, how to do things, what is better for my body, what is better for my genre, uh, what is good for, uh, for teaching, because uh, I'm a coach as well. I became an, an artistic coach in Lusia. And he still supports me and helps me a lot. So we are in close oh, okay. contact even now. So you started training at four. Your coach
0: say, sees that you have a predisposition for contortion. And were you stretching
1: at home before? No, no. Before I didn't know about circ anything and I didn't do anything. And when we came to Cirque circus studio with my parents, he showed me like different things from different disciplines. And he was like, okay, let's try and when we st- when we started, uh it was it was a bit you know weird why I'm stretching, why I'm doing those things. <laughs> and then when my coach explained me why we're doing that and what I can get from these kind of exercises, I trusted him and I was like, okay, let's see where it's gonna lead. And then when I started seeing my first results, I was impressed and motivated and was like Okay, so
0: what was your first result and how old were you when you first started to see like, okay, I'm gaining somewhere, I, I want to keep on going?
1: I started seeing the results very soon, maybe like in a couple of weeks. Uh, it went very well, but of course I couldn't do a full split, I couldn't do uh, a full bridge or a full, I don't know, chest end with complete fold, mm-hmm. but I was seeing how my flexibility was improving. And I started doing some little tricks and it motivated me a lot. And I wanted to improve those tricks more more and more. And I was like, wow, it's very impressive to get the results and to to feel that you can do something with your body that impresses not only you as yourself, but it impresses others as well. So we had other kids Mm -hmm. in the studio. Of course, their parents, my parents, and they were like, oh, Lacey, you're doing this so nice. That's 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 great. That's awesome. And all those cheatings also motivated me as well.
0: Ah, okay. And so how often were you training at that time? So let's say when you start training at four, do you train there every day or do you go at school and then after school you go once a
1: week? Like what was your schedule like? Uh when I just started, of course I wasn't training every day, it was like three times per week. And then uh we added one more day, it became four times per week. And then I decided to take it like on a different level, me with my parents. And I started training five five times per week. So it was like getting progressively up and up. And one day okay. when, I, when I decided and I told my parents that I wanted to be a circus performer, I wanted to be a professional at what I was practicing, at what I was doing, I started training six times per week. And it was somewhere around eight, maybe nine, I was already going to school. Mm-hmm. And right after school, I was going to to the circus studio and started training. And when it was getting even more serious, I had two trainings per day. Wow, so at eight years old, you knew
0: already, this is what I want to do well, <laughs> professionally. I want to become a professional contortionist.
1: Actually, I I knew that when I saw Uh, that commercial not commercial when i saw that my first show that i was with my parents i already knew okay i want to be one of these guys already at that moment Mm, but i started training more (laughs) you know professionally when i was like six seven maybe eight yeah and when i was going to school from school right away i went to to trainings
0: and so what was your life like when you are eight years old and you're still a child but you're training so seriously contortion like 6 times a week what did your what was it like with your parents and with your friends at school did they did, did everybody supported you did how was your yeah
1: how was your life like uh, my parents my friends uh, my teachers in school they supported me and uh, as i said right after school i was going to to my trainings and my grin my grandpa and my grandma took me from school to, to to trainings and nobody from that school was going with me no my friends went to mm-hmm. study i was i was kind of alone on this part and my teachers in the school they knew that after school i go to trainings and they give me you know, like uh, homework and they knew that i would do it because i very i was very responsible and very disciplined so they trusted me and sometimes when I had to go somewhere for a performance, for example, I needed to perform at some festival or at some other events, and I had to skip some classes, mm-hmm. they knew that I would do all my homework because they were they were sure in me. They knew that I was disciplined and I didn't have any problems with that. And when it was mm-hmm. time to pass uh, state exams uh, after ninth grade, they also knew that I wouldn't have any problems and this is how it happened and you passed your exam everything was everything was fine yeah everything was fine yeah i didn't have any any issues with that and my life was like i i woke up i went to school i stayed in school for uh four five classes and then right away i went to trainings and then i came then i did trainings with my coach then i had a little rest and then like for maybe two three hours and then I had a second training also there. And then from trainings, my mom took me from, from my coach and took me home. When I arrived home, I started doing my homework and it started over again. <laughs> and Oh my God, it's a b- busy life. <laughs> it was busy life, but I really enjoyed it because, uh, because, because of that, I had an opportunity to travel. I had a, an opportunity to meet uh, other kids in this uh, field. I was performing, I was Mm -hmm. going to different cities for festivals, for competitions. And well, I I had a very, very nice childhood because I could see how how it works. I could meet other people Mm -hmm. who were interested in art, who were interested in dance, who were interested in circus, because my genre is not only circus itself, but it's a mix of uh, different disciplines the base Mm -hmm. is contortion and flexibility but i also also was doing elements of rhythmic gymnastics elements of aesthetic gymnastics i was doing um some elements of uh, ballet dance modern dance i was Mm -hmm. doing a little bit of wushu chinese martial art and all these disciplines added some qualities to my performances some qualities of movements some qualities for my characters and when i was a kid I had 11 different acts with different characters. For example, I was doing Mm, a number and a composition, Swan. It was very like lyrical mood act with Sin Sun music. I was doing the God of the Sun composition. It was Eastern style. Also, Secrets Mm. of East, also Eastern style. I had that act with two folding chairs. It was very abstract, but very acrobatic and I performed with this act at different festivals and got uh, many medals. Well, in total, I had 11. 11 medals, total. No, no, 11 different acts.
0: Uh, 11 different yeah. acts, okay. Yeah. And how old were you when you started to perform, like professionally and in festivals and stuff like that?
1: Professionally, you mean at contracts? I suppose I was 14. Uh, but, okay. but at festivals and for some events, like in school in. Uh, some places in my in my hometown, I started performing like two years after I started training. Somewhere at six, seven years old.
0: Oh, okay. So already after two years training, you started to have enough material, so you could start being on stage, get some experience, and yeah, yeah. And comp-
1: oh, I, I, I started competing maybe three years after I started. So if I started at. At four, I started competing at seven. It was my very first competition in a different city in, in Russia, in Ivanova. And at that time I already got a Grand Prix. I didn't know mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but everybody was so excited about about that. I was like, oh well, okay, Grand Prix. Yeah, for sure, grand prize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And then I continued performing at like different festivals in Russia. And then my first time abroad was Monte Carlo. And I was performing there with two folding chairs and I got okay. bronze medal. Well,
0: yeah. Bronze medal in Monte Carlo. Yeah, bronze wow, prize. It's very. Imp- and how old were you when you competed in Monte Carlo? It was 2007, 13. I suppose summer, summer, so summer. you competed in Monte Carlo at 13 years old yeah. and you get bronze at 13. Yeah. Well, that's pretty impressive.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now, yes. Now I do realize that. It was really cool. But at that time, I was like performing and just enjoying what I was doing. I was like, okay, bronze, nice. Well, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, maybe it's better like this. You know, maybe you didn't have the pressure of like, oh, this, you know, Monte Carlo is a big deal. It's like, I think Monte Carlo and Paris are the two biggest festivals in the world for Mm -hmm. circus. So to not put extra pressure on yourself and just go there and enjoy performing and not... We, we thought that added pressure maybe allowed you to perform better.
1: Oh, well, maybe, yeah. And uh, a couple of years after, I performed at a Chinese festival in Wuhan
0: mm-hmm. and I got silver. Yeah, Wuhan festival is very good.
1: And I got silver. And well, at that time, I already realized that it was a huge event and Chinese festival mm-hmm. is like a really strong one. Yeah. And I had, I had I, I can say that I felt some pressure, but it didn't affect my performance. I also was performing with, uh, two folding chairs. It was the same act, and it went. Mm-hmm. It went very well. Chinese people love circus, and they met me there. Mm-hmm. Superborn, they were going crazy. Oh, nice! Huh, uh, that's so, cool. And so, at that time,
0: at around 13, 14, were you still going to school, or by that time you were full-on, full-time
1: professional artist? I was going to school, but uh, my time in school was a bit cut. So I stayed in school for half of the time. And then I went to trainings to have two trainings per day. So I stayed half of the day Mm -hmm. in school. I mean, half of the studying day. Then I went to to trainings. I did trainings for two, maybe three hours. Then I had a short break for two, three hours. I had lunch, I rested. And then in the evening I had other training also for like two hours, two, two and a half. Well, it depended on the day. Mm depended on how busy I was, how how tired I was, if I was tired after after school. And after that, since I was already kind of a teenager, I was 16, like 15, 14, Mm -hmm. I could go home by myself. My parents didn't meet me because they trusted me that I could make it on my own. And I came back home, I did my homework, and as I said, I started over. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was fun.
0: And and your life as a teenager, because I feel with professional sports and arts, always the, the moment for people and athletes and artists who start very early, when you reach the age between 13 and 15, it's always a very tricky moment because the moment when a lot of people, they start losing interest or like they just want to spend more time with their friends. And so it's. I think it's a moment where usually a lot of people give up on their activity on their arts or their sports so how was it for you when you started to reach that age and then you you start I don't know to be interested more in hanging out with your
1: friends and stuff what kept you on track with your training and yeah of course I had that thing I wanted to spend more time with my friends I wanted to you know to have fun more and more and luckily for me my coach was very patient about that he knew that this period would come and he prepared himself very well very well for that and he also prepared my parents that this kind of thing would come and they would have to deal with it and what they did they just talked a lot with me about this period they said well it will pass you need to overcome it you need to keep training everything is going to be all right of course you have to spend some time with your friends we don't like they didn't take this part of my life from me i was Mm -hmm. I I had friends, I was spending time with them also, but I didn't spend all my time with my friends, all my time Mm -hmm. hanging out. So they talked to me a lot to be smart about my timing and be smart about my trainings. And thanks to my coach, to Vladislav, thanks to my parents that they supported me and they talked to me a lot about all these things because otherwise, I don't know what would happen, you know, because it's the craziest mm-hmm. time in the life when you want to, you know, just go with your friends and have and have fun. And mm-hmm. little by little, we overcame this period. And then when I turned like 17, I didn't have that passion to, to go out with friends and I wanted to concentrate <laughs> more on trainings. And we started developing new things. I was preparing for like, a, for a festival. I wanted to go to sort of the main mm-hmm. and we were concentrating on, on that. At that time, uh, I was doing wushu because as I said, uh, it was a part of my routine as well. And my coach invited other trainings from those disciplines. For example, he invited a uh. coach for dancing, for modern dance, for ballet dance. It was a different coach. And for wushu, it was another one. And when I was doing wushu at that period, uh, I was I was doing it very well. And the group of wushu where I was going to, they were getting ready to go to China for for two weeks of trainings in Wuhan. Yeah, ah, okay. and I was planning to go to China to practice wushu there, and it was like kind of intense, but didn't make it because of well. Technical issues. It didn't. It didn't happen. Ah, okay. Yeah, and also at the same period, uh, there was a, a project. So Dusle was uh, working on a project with uh, one Russian uh, TV channel. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it meant to be like like a talent show or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, where they gathered artists mm-hmm. in one place, and we had to train all together. We had to build acts. We had to spend time together and everything should be filmed. And then it was Mm -hmm. supposed to be showed on Russian TV channel and in Canada as well. And I also, they had an audition for that project. Uh, I passed the audition. Well, they took me for, for that. I was also preparing for this one and it also didn't happen because the project was canceled. Yeah. And after that. Uh, I started, pre- but I guess
0: that was the first time Sergio said so I saw you, like the casting people, they already, that was the first contact with them. They knew who you are. They saw potential in you. And even though the project got canceled, they, I assume they didn't forget
1: no, no, no. about you. They saw me a little bit earlier. Uh, first time when they saw me, I was 12 years old. Um, I, when I was training with my coach, uh, he received an email from his friend. And this email said that Serge Saleh would come to Moscow, and if you have a student, you can come and and try it and When I was twelve, we decided to go to Russian circus school, where the audition where the audition happened, I passed an audition, and they said that I was a very good one that they really loved what I was doing, but unfortunately, they couldn't take me to any project because kids. At that time, already couldn't be in any shows. Mm, yeah. So before, they used to have kids in the shows, but then laws changed, and no more kids in shows. And it was yeah, I know.
0: I worked with I worked with kids. I remember. Yeah,
1: and it was kind of you know a bit disappointing for me because it was my big dream to be part of Cirque already at that time because there's so many mm-hmm. shows, uh, not live, but I saw many videos on the internet. I saw a lot of DVD discs. And mm-hmm. I was impressed with Sergio Soleil. I really wanted to be a part of it. So this is, it was the first time I Sergio Soleil found out about me when I was 12. And when I was 17, there the was a second audition for that project I talked about. And it didn't happen. And, and anyway, so I passed the audition and they had new information about me. They knew about my new art. They knew about my new skills because I passed it and they saw everything. And then they said, "Well, one day, when you turn like twenty one, we will have something new, we will call you." And this is what happened when I turned twenty, uh, they called me and asked for Luzia, and of course, I wanted to be a part of that. and right before I was preparing myself for sort of the Mind festival. It was my main goal after all those projects I just go through and then I had two choices. One choice, whether I go to a festival or I go to Luzia. And of course, the cho- uh, the choice was obvious yeah. for me. I wanted to be part of Cirque. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could compete in
0: Cirque with your Luzia act. That's something, you know, that Cirque was doing before. Like the Banking of Kidam, they competed in Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. the Russian bar of Alegría too. It's something that, you know, if you, pro- if you, maybe propose the project if it works between cities and everything mm-hmm. to go and compete as with your Lucia act then you would combine and your Cirque dream and your Sig de dreams
1: well maybe but at that time I I was super happy that I became a part of Cirque and I wanted to make my best for for the show and to develop this act I worked a lot with choreographer in Montreal with Sylvia Gertrudix and her assistants mm-hmm. and it was like a huge project for myself because well Come on, it was my dream since I was 12, even earlier. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And I wanted to give it my best. So it was my priority. And I stopped thinking about something else. And how was it, the whole
0: experience, the whole creation process for Luzia?
1: Oh, I loved it. Now I have a lot of nostalgia (laughs) about that process. It was was challenging because, um, well, you come to the studio early in the morning and you can stay there the whole day and come back late in the evening so it was hard challenging but it was fun we had a lot of acting classes we had singing classes uh all those stagings Uh, i really i really enjoyed it and when i was working with Silvia and her assistants on the act i showed her all my tricks all my elements like on the photos and videos because i had a lot and i was like okay let's pick the best ones and let's mix mm-hmm. them. And this is how we're working. We, work. we tried to mix, okay, let's try this one and this one, and let's try to put these things together and see if it works. And we worked for for a long time, like putting tricks together. and when mm-hmm. and when we found the, the the best couples, we started putting these couples together. and piece by piece, we built what we're having right now in Lucia. And then we started working on the character. And I remember that they told me, Alexi, try to do this sequence and imagine that you're getting through the water. Like you have the resistance all around your body and try to do it this way. I tried. Okay, well, this part went very good and this part can be something else. Now I'll try to do it in a different way. And we worked also like that. And then they explained me, well, they explained me before what my character was. And they, they tried to add some qualities for developing my character. Character even more in the act, and they explained that I'm an alebrije, and alebrije is uh, like mystical creature in Mexican culture. Okay. So the there the was a guy, uh, he was doing pinatas, those little dolls with candies inside, where you, when you hit, mm-hmm. the candies fall down. So and one day this guy fell sick, and he started having hallucinations, and he could hear a sound. Uh, like a voice telling him ale briche, ale briche. and that word didn't mean anything, it was just you know, just uh-huh. just something and hallucinations, hallucinations that he was seeing it was like different animals melting one into another and when he got better, he started creating his pinatas in the form of his hallucinations and these toys, these piñatas became very successful. Uh, everybody started loving them. And he called these piñatas alibrije, the, 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 mm-hmm. the word he was hearing in his hallucinations. And this creature, mystical creature, became a part of Mexican culture. And my character... Oh, that's
0: super interesting. And my
1: character is alibrije. So I'm a creature that oh. embodies different animals in one body and oh, i was okay. and i was explained that my character my lubrica, my scares away nightmares from the audience
0: oh that's that's amazing i had no idea it's such a brilliant idea
1: yeah and when i was uh when we were working on the act they asked me try to scare away things from the audience sitting around you and when i was doing certain sequences during the act I was like okay I did some certain move Mm. and I like was throwing Mm. a leg and uh, Sylvia told me okay try to scare away with your leg push it hard and I was like "Wow!" and it worked very well Yeah, oh, yeah, that's
0: amazing. That's an I didn't know that was the duration for your act. It's I think it's amazing. I'm sure you must have been very inspired when they told you the story. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. This is why I really miss that part. I really miss how how we worked together, all the process. It was amazing. If it happens again, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so oh, you know, I just loved it.
0: Yeah, for sure. How did you feel when the show first opened? Like it's your, you do your whole creation process. You are having a blast in the creation. And now it's April. The show is about to open in Montreal. You're about to do your first show with Sec du Soleil. How was that first premiere?
1: It was very solid because by that time, uh, the whole act was already well rehearsed, well rehearsed, well trained. And I couldn't say that I was too nervous about that, because all the tricks, all the sequences, uh the the whole part was was ready. The hardest part for me was that I was working on the platform and the platform was spinning continuously. Mm. It was the trickiest part for me because before I have never used anything like that, and I had to get used to this spinning thing. And I didn't really have much time to to get used to it. It was the mm. only thing that bothered me, and I was kind of a little bit worried about this but mm. the rest was super well and I wasn't nervous about doing any tricks or anything and of course I was uh, super excited and super nervous about having premiere and so it was like the biggest dream yeah, for sure. <laughs> coming through.
0: <laughs> yeah and I forgot to ask you did your coach Uh, come with you in Montreal and was part of the creation and I was coaching you all through the creation Uh, process?
1: No, no. uh, um, My coach didn't come uh, because I was already uh, 20, 20, 21 by that time. And I started Mm -hmm. traveling by myself. It was my first time when I came to to contract by myself. Before, when I was working, when I was going to a festival, I was going with Vladislav, with my coach. And this time, that was first time by myself. And in Montreal, I was working with Sylvia with her assistant, and we had coaches there. I was working with Michael Lanfier, uh, mm-hmm. y- you know him, and he also he also helped me with, uh, with my stretching routine. We worked on some tricks together. It was fun working with him. It's- yeah, and how was it for you
0: to, for the first time, to work without... Your coach, because at that time you're 21, mm-hmm. but you've been training with the same coach since you're four years old, and that's the first time you are without your coach. How how was that transition for you?
1: I was ready for that. Uh, I was ready because, well, my coach prepared me for for this would happen anyway one day, and I knew that it would happen. He knew that that it would happen, and me and him we were ready for for this. So it wasn't like a big deal, it was just something new, okay. And it just came up and well, just happened nice. So, the show goes
0: on tour. Obviously, you already have experience working because you did all this festival and all this job before. But CD so solid tours, I think I know not like anything else in the world in the industry. So, how was your first perception, and like, how did you perceive that? Yeah, just going on tour with the show.
1: Well, it was good, it was a uh, well, something new for me because I never traveled every like six, seven weeks. Uh, but I wouldn't say it was it was hard for me or something. It was exciting because you you arrive, you have some free time, you have time to go somewhere to see something in the city you arrive, and then you come to trainings. You do your like your usual routine. And then, when you have a day off, you also have chance to go somewhere to to observe the city, go to some museums, to go to some nice places. So it's very exciting. It's not like uh, traveling every second or every third day. We have some time here, and I think it's it's the the, the best the best part of like you know being on tour. So you have free time, mm-hmm. you have time on work, and it works this way. But of course, when you are Far from your, you know, from your parents, from your friends, from your coach. Well, it's kind of difficult, but with all these technologies, with all those phones, Skypes, WhatsApps, Mm -hmm. it works very well because we are in contact. I talk to my coach every day. Today, I already talked to him two times in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. After this interview, I'll go and talk to him again. I'll tell him how it goes. And nice. <laughs> yeah, we are <laughs> very cool. We are in very close contact. Yeah. And did your parents came to see the show? No, no, unfortunately, no. Uh, because they, they, they don't speak uh, English uh, and they mm-hmm. never, ever, ever traveled in their life. So when we were touring in the US, I tried to I tried to make them come, but they said, "Oh no, mm-hmm. we have never traveled. We don't speak English. Uh, we are like, very afraid of traveling and everything." And they waited. They waited when we come to Europe and to come and watch Lucia when we come to Moscow. And in 2019, mm-hmm. we were performing in London, and after London, mm-hmm. we had to work in Moscow. We already arrived. We already. We already wanted to go to first our to first rehearsal, and then mm-hmm. our artistic director gathered us in lobby in the hotel, and she said that well something is happening, uh, this COVID thing is spreading out, and we had to let you go home. And we didn't have training, we didn't have any show in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were sent home and stayed on pause almost for two years, and when we came back on tour. We started in London. So Moscow never happened. And. Ah, oh, you mean <laughs> so close? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very close.
0: Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk, the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circusstalk.com, sign up to PRO and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner Circus Talk Alright guys a little side story now Back in 2014 I hurt my back training backstage before a show The pain was so intense I couldn't put my socks on sit for more than 2 minutes and obviously it took me out of the show for quite some time I followed a strict core rehabilitation program and after 6 weeks I got back on stage but I kept having recurring pain So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweaked some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, Hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find Protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now... Let's get back to the show. Now, if we talk a little bit about just contortion strictly, like how did you develop such an extreme level of contortion? Because I feel I saw images of you uh, on the internet. I have a lot of friends uh, in the creation of Luzia. And I remember talking with one of the physio at the studio and asking him, how does this guy do it like where where do his organs go when he bends <laughs> like that and he was saying like yeah it's pretty it's pretty impressive
1: where all my organs go they stay at the same place <laughs> 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 you know the, there are three types of uh, flexibility so the anatomical one this is what your body allows you to do passive flexibility is when you do uh when you do something with external assistance, for example, you do a split and someone Mm -hmm. helps you to open it, open it up. And active flexibility is the flexibility you can control with your own muscles. And Mm -hmm. talking about first two, as I said at the very beginning, that, uh, comparing to other kids in, in the circus studio, I was more flexible than them. So I had really good, anatomical flexibility. my body allowed me to do mm-hmm. many flexible things and then I started developing it with my coach. I started working on that really hard and I developed very good passive flexibility because passive flexibility is the base for active one. let's say if you don't have passive flexibility, okay. uh, you cannot you cannot develop really good active flexibility because it's, it's the base
0: for for the other level. So at first you have to have someone, an external force that helps you and that push you to increase your flexibility.
1: So first you have, you should have a good anatomical flexibility. Your body should allow you to do that. Your muscles should be allowing you to do all those things. Then passive flexibility. Yes, if you do some tricks with external assistance, then you can um, you can make your body adapt to these new degrees. And when you have it, you can start working on active flexibility and to and to start control it and when you can control it you can show it to your audience and you can start you know performing this is the goal mm-hmm. to develop active flexibility so you can show your skills
0: mm-hmm. and so m- most of your skills are based around active flexibility
1: so all, all, all the tricks that we are doing it's about active flexibility because i'm not performing I'm not performing with an assistant who would stretch me out. So all the tricks Mm, I'm doing by myself and all I do is active flexibility for sure. But for example, if I take a picture for Instagram where I'm sitting in a split and someone is stretching me, this would be passive flexibility because someone helped me make this degree more
0: okay and what are your routines like nowadays like how often do you stretch how often do you train what is your routine like to be able to perform 10 shows a week to the incredible level that you have
1: so i can tell you how my days are going i i wake up mm-hmm. yeah i wake up around nine thirty, sometimes 10 sometimes nine have breakfast then i do some studying i'm studying physical education at university uh okay then i do trainings on my own sometimes i go jogging for myself uh, just to to maintain it in a good shape sometimes i do a little stretch before i go to surf then i come i do my makeup i have lunch and then i do trainings by myself and then i start training with other guys uh, because uh I, I became after pandemic uh artistic coach i do training with uh, mm-hmm. other artists and then if i have some time i do trainings by myself again and then when show begins when uh, intermission starts i start my warm-up and it takes me 40 45 minutes before i go on stage okay yeah and this is when we have only one show when we have two shows (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) the same thing just i do only one training instead of two and usually it happens in the morning before coming to to circ and your own
0: training it's stretching routine you do do you have someone that helps you in your own training to stretch you or you're, when you're training you' stretching on your own and repeating your tricks on your own
1: so when I'm home let's say I'm in an apartment I do it by myself uh, but when I come to circ I ask some guys to stretch me I explain what they should do for me and we have a head coach and when he has free time I ask him to help me out. So I'm asking other people okay. to to assist me with stretching, and sometimes even with warm up, and it helps me a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you're coaching other artists, you're coaching them in flexibility and stretching as well.
1: Yeah, flexibility, stretching, and also uh, strengthening the core. I tell them how to how to make it in a safe way, because it's a very common thing that you know, people start stretching and then after stretching they feel very relaxed. And you know, melted and very soft, and they become Mm -hmm. lazy. Well, I also feel it when you stretch really hard. After stretching (laughs) session, you feel like you don't want to do anything. You just want to stay still, and you want nobody touch you. Uh, But you have you have to overcome (laughs) this feeling because uh, if you do that, uh, your body, uh, your body tries tries to protect itself. And let's say you stretched, and then you don't do stretching exercises. And then you stay uh, and make yourself comfortable. Like you take off your shirt because you're feeling hot. It's a really bad thing. Your muscle get tight, okay. And you need to be smart about it. So after stretching, you need to do some strengthening exercises to bring your muscles back to tonus. And you have to keep your body in warm. You cannot let it. Okay. You cannot let it stay in. You know, in cold. Maybe you're gonna cold, yeah, okay. Because maybe you're gonna feel comfortable like that. It feels so good, but it's wrong because after that your body will contract, and the next day you're gonna feel awful. So I teach that. I explain that a lot to our guys who stretch with me, and also they mm-hmm. have uh, different needs and different goals. For example, there are some guys who don't want to be more flexible, but they want to just relax for example for two guys on swing to swing and they also do some stretching with me and their goal is to relax from their strength in training Mm -hmm. so we do some exercises they get relaxed and this is their goal to come down and Mm -hmm. to relax for other artists they have specific goals for example for someone is to make their split better so we're working on that For some guys, they want to work on their back flexibility. So we are focusing on this Mm -hmm. one. And there are a lot of like little details that I explain, and I try to make it a holistic approach for each of them. Because you cannot just say, okay, Uh, to have a good split, you have to do it three sets by two minutes, and you're going to be good. No, it's not working like that. Uh, You have to explain uh, everything in details, what makes it better, what they have to avoid, what they have to do, and why. Because they are all adults and you can say to them, okay, you do this and just behave and everything's gonna be fine. So you have to like yeah. explain why <laughs> it should be
0: that <laughs> for the back flexibility. Is that true? Like I feel it's something that I've heard many times that for back flexibility, you if you're not naturally flexible on your back, you can't improve much your back flexibility. That the, the splits, for example, even though you're super stiff, splits you can always get better splits, but back is kind of tricky. Uh,
1: so it depends on. Uh, what age we are talking about, uh, and you can develop flexibility in your back as well. It's about also the degree you want to achieve. For example, the most mobile part is the, the lower part, uh, like the lumbar spine. Mm-hmm. The hardest one is the chest and shoulders, because the mm-hmm. rib cage stays in the way. And when you start stretching your upper part, uh, there are very small muscles and it's really hard to stretch them. And also, when you Mm -hmm. start working on upper part, you have to deal with breathing because when you squeeze yourself, uh, your breath stops and you need to control it. And it's, Mm. it's a challenge. But it's not like you cannot develop flexibility in your back, you can. The question is how much you want and how much you're gonna achieve. And for sure, the sooner you start your flexibility training, the better it will go. The older you start, well, the harder it's going to be. But it's absolutely possible. And uh, there is an artist in Luzia, Leah, she does a um, uh, and she said that she had never been practicing uh, contortion, maybe when she was a kid and then she stopped and didn't do anything. And she wanted to do contortion trainings with me. And we started and over like nine, maybe 10 months. She got really good results. She can do a very good and bridge now. She already touches her feet with her hands in the bridge. We're doing hanging positions also in the bridge. So there is a bar. She goes over the bar with her back arching mm-hmm. and she's hanging there and she's also getting close with her palms towards her legs and her back flexibility improving a lot because it was go. It was her goal. She was very consistent. She was very disciplined. But well, she, she is. And it goes, mm-hmm. goes very well. Of course, she's not going to wow. be as flexible as I am because I started when I was four. <laughs> yeah. And it would be unfair to compare such things. But with training, of course, you can achieve certain, certain results. How
0: is your method of training compared to your coach? Because I feel... That with when it comes to coaching and I think leadership in general, if you've practiced yourself, it gives you the added layer of experience. It's like you understand the technique, the anatomy of the body and everything, but also you've practiced it in your own body. So that gives you an added layer. Mm -hmm. So did you just apply the technique of your coach to other people or did you kind of improve that technique with the experience that you have?
1: Uh, so, of course, I used the technique that my coach taught me because all my knowledges come from him, and also I was studying um, I was interested in how flexibility works in general and I was looking for uh, information on internet on on my own by myself because I really wanted to find out why I was doing this this way. Of course, my coach explained mm-hmm. it to me, but I wanted to find. I wanted to find some sources, not from him, but also from some other, from or some other, you know, places. And I found it. Mm-hmm. And all the things that he taught me were like scientific, scientifically. Scientific, scientific, oh my God, uh, help me out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> scientifically.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Based. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. And um, I also read a lot of um, Uh, books on yoga on flexibility science and it Mm -hmm. proved but i i cannot say that my methods are different from what he was teaching me i would say that um, he has never been doing contortion by himself so he didn't have that feelings uh when it's enough or when he can push a little bit more he he found out that in an empirical way, he was doing that and uh, he, he, he felt it from his students and from his son. In my case, I feel it on my body when I'm doing the split. I feel like, mm-hmm. okay, it goes. And I think this is time to stop. And I, I feel it on my, Th- does it all make sense though?
0: No? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense for sure.
1: So my, my point was that Vladislav has never done that before on himself and he was learning all these things and we had really close communication. So, for example, when he was stretching me, he asked me, Lexi, do I push more or do I stay here? And I was saying, okay, you can push more because I feel like my body lets it go. And he pushed more, let's say, in a split or in a bridge or in a chest and mm-hmm. wherever. And when I train it, since I felt all those things on my body, I know without my student telling me when I can push a little bit more, or when I have to step back and give a bit less pressure because I know how body behaves. If I push more, it starts to contract. It becomes more, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, resistant. Protective. Protective, exactly. Protective. And and, and I I think I feel it a little bit better. I think this is the only difference between uh, what my coach was giving to me and what I'm giving to, to those I'm training with.
0: It's funny because you, it sounds like your coach had a very, like, even though you were training a lot, he had a very soft approach. Like if he was asking you, can I push more or is it good there? It's because I feel with artists of your caliber, the people imagine that oh they started training when they were so young and they were beaten up the coach were mean with them and they were always crying and all that stuff but you listening to your story it sounds that your coach was actually like nice with you
1: yes he was nice absolutely it wasn't some you know hard old school contortion but kids are crying no so (laughs) I i wanted to develop flexibility i knew that uh, to achieve flexibility i need to overcome certain level of discomfort and mm-hmm. my coach explained me that without this discomfort you won't get certain result and without this communication it wouldn't happen and i, I never cried of course i was feeling discomfortable when i was stretching as just other kids i'm mm-hmm. a human being yeah. but it was very close communication and he was asking me if he could push more if he could if he had to push less, it was very, you know, very gentle process. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. if it would be too intense, I'm not sure if it if it would be possible to make such a good result. Because let's say if it's like too hard, if it's too painful, if it's too intense, uh, maybe it would be harder psychologically to overcome all those things, and to make it a long distance. Maybe after a mm-hmm. couple of years of such intense training, someone would just give up. It would be yeah. impossible. Yeah, for sure. But if it goes yeah. if it goes slowly and gentle, and if it goes in, in the right way with proper technique, with proper method, it goes easier because it's right. And you achieve more by going slower.
0: Hmm. I think that's that's a very interesting. Uh, approach and i think it's i mean it's so amazing to see that soft but very technical and disciplined approach brought i mean such incredible results with you you mean that all these coaches out there who say no you have to it have to hurt to hurt if it doesn't hurt it's not working like all, all this kind of stuff it means that it's it's bullshit that it can work if it's gentle it can work if you have a good communication if you're listening to your body and if you're As you say taking it slowly but with more consistent and more discipline
1: this is it this is what i'm saying because 13 i don't understand this idea of all those coaches what do they mean without 13 you cannot get it if you hurt yourself you have to recover and recovery takes time and you waste your time for recovery and then you start over and it happens over again and you're going just back and forth, back and forth, and you're not getting any there. Mm-hmm. But if you go slow, little by little, you're getting slow, but you're getting to your results. And it worked, mm-hmm. it worked in my case. And Vladislav taught me uh, that approach, and I'm using it, and it proves itself. And also, mm-hmm. besides contortion, besides uh, uh, this solid base, as I said, we did a mix of uh, other disciplines. And he was teaching me that. Uh, contortion itself would look different way it would be more beautiful if we add dancing technique to it we do some ballet if we do some modern dance if we make it a mix with other disciplines with other details from all those disciplines and for example from rhythmic gymnastics i took a lot like uh, all those lines Mm -hmm. all those um, pointed feet beautiful lines and legs Mm -hmm. from aesthetic gymnastics i took some uh, qualities of movements as well as from wushu when they move very slowly 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 and then they do something really sharp and then they slow down again and and these qualities of movements helped in my in my acts as well from uh, ballet dance it's the the posture the aplomb uh, all those uh, positions also came from there, from modern dance. It's also the specific technical movements. And also he was teaching me that when I was practicing all those disciplines, he invited other coaches from these disciplines. For example, I had, oh, yeah. I had a teacher for ballet dance. I had another teacher for modern dance. I had another teacher from Wushu. And when I was doing all those things, my coach told me that, the goal is not to make you a ballet dancer. The goal is not to make you a pure modern contemporary dancer or not to make you a wushu warrior. The idea is to take the best parts from all those things and to combine it, put it into your contortion routine to make it to make it different. And this mix, this synthesis works very well.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you say it's amazing. So he had a lot of vision yep. to bring in all these specialist teachers. Yeah, And so if you had um, any advices for artists out there who would want to improve their flexibility, what would you tell them to do or not to do?
1: So what I would tell them to do, I think it would be a long list of what to do and what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the general one would be uh, go gentle. Uh, don't go crazy. Uh, be smart. Stay warm. Warm up and do cool down. <laughs> so, like okay. you know, the <laughs> very basic stuff. Because there are so many, uh, so many things that has to be done. If you are working with an adult, you have to explain why it should work. For example, when I start my session, I explain first that uh, our muscles are very conservative. That when you start doing stretching our muscles try to protect themselves, and they contract. And over time, if you hold a position for, let's say, 30, 45 seconds, they stay contracted, they stay, they stay strong. And over this time, if you keep staying in the stretched position, your muscles start relaxing. And it's a second mechanism of protecting themselves. They start relaxing to avoid damages. They relax to protect themselves because they are relaxing and let you go a little bit deeper in the stretch. And this is the only moment when actual stretching begins, but it comes over a long period of time. Let's say it can be a minute, a minute 20 seconds, a minute 30 seconds. And this is the only moment when actual stretching begins. In fitness industry and in other such facilities, they say stretching is enough when you do it 30-45 seconds. And for their goals what whether are using flexibility exercises, it is enough. But if you want to achieve certain level of flexibility, it's not enough at all. And you have to be warm when you start doing stretching. You have to be very gentle, no rush, no bouncing. And after stretching, you need to bring back your muscles to tonus. Because as I said, after a stretching session, you feel like you're melted, you feel lazy, you don't want to move, it feels <laughs> so nice. But it's false. You have to you have to bring back yourself to to tonus. You have to do some active exercises. Use your flexibility that you worked on during these uh, flexibility exercises. And you have to do cool down, and then you keep yourself warm. You put something on after stretching session. You just let it cool down. Uh, in a short in a Sweater, just put something on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> put something. <laughs> exactly. Stay warm. Stay warm. Yeah. Stretching.
1: Especially, it's very important for for girls because, well, all the girls want to be, you know, sexy and attractive, and mm-hmm. they put just topics where we can see their bellies and their back is open. Mm-hmm. And after stretching, it's really, really bad thing. It looks sexy. It looks beautiful, mm-hmm. but their back, their Uh, lumbar spine is exposed the muscle yeah Yeah. muscles exposed and they get contracted they spasm and the next day they feel awful put something on
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, Alexei I have one last question for you if tomorrow aliens would land on earth how would you explain sec du soleil to them
1: how I would explain sec du soleil to aliens if they land tomorrow Oh my God! I would say, I would say that that Cirque du Soleil is a mix of different arts. It's a mix of circus, mix of theater, mix mix of music, mix of special effects. And if you guys want to see uh, an art as a holistic thing, you should come to Cirque du Soleil to see what human can do. That's a yeah, that's a
0: great answer. I'm sure they would come. And I'm sure they would be amazed by you. That's <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. But, Alexei, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy with the shows and I know day off are very precious. So I really appreciate you taking the time and come and sharing your life and your experience with me and the listeners. And I wish you a good day off and a uh, fantastic run with lucia
1: thank you thank you so much and uh you said that aliens would be impressed with what i'm doing um i i wanted to share that that thing so now we are working in in madrid and people are very you know emotional here they're very sensitive Mm -hmm. and sometimes uh after contortion they have to stop the show because someone feel someone feel bad <laughs> and and it started it started uh, when we started working in canada uh gracie our artistic director came up to me and she was like alexi plus one and i didn't mind what she was saying i was like plus one oh well whatever and she kept doing that she was coming up to me and she said alexi plus one again and one day i decided to ask her what what did she mean what does it mean plus one and then she said, "When I say plus one it means someone in the audience during, during your act or after your act passed out because they felt they felt bad. <laughs> and, and when she said that, I started counting and I counted oh yeah yeah I counted 27 before pandemic and then then pandemic started we were on post for two years and after pandemic when we were working in London, one guy uh, n- not from our cast came up to me and said, you are the contortionist? I was like, yeah, it's me. Do you know that yesterday after the show, uh, after your performance, someone felt sick and passed out? I was like, okay, counting starts over. <laughs> 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 and for for this year, uh, I mean for 2022, I counted 23.
0: Wow, to- 23 people passed out watching yeah. your performance stage. Yeah,
1: so in total. Uh, before pandemic and after pandemic in total it's 50 people passed out <laughs> because of oh, consortium so th- now the goal is to make the alien pass out <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes i love that the goal is to tell them come to silusia and to like give make them pass out yeah. when they see you that's yeah. a very good goal <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Uh, that's the perfect that's the perfect way to end this episode. So once again, take care and keep rocking the house, man. You're very exceptional.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to to be with you. Uh, as I said in the very beginning that I'm uh, watching what you're doing. I'm listening to your podcast and I really love uh, what you're doing. And it's an honor for me to... To be part of your project and to be here and chat with you i enjoyed it a lot thank you thank you very much take care thank you bye
0: amazing right really i wasn't expected at all to hear that his method of training was actually very gentle but of course consistent and very methodic I think it's great, and I hope that his method can become more popular among contortion and flexibility coaches, because yes, it's gentle, but obviously, it creates such incredible results. If you enjoyed this episode, you can now take a little moment to give us a good rating and review. It really makes a difference for us. You can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. And my friends, we're done for today. Have a fantastic day, a great week. Break a leg if you're having shows. And as we say in the circus, see you down the road.